Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. Franklin D. Roosevelt. Routines make life easier, but they can also make it stale and inflexible. Breaking out of your comfort zone takes courage and an understanding of yourself. Expanding your comfort zone involves breaking out of it and then resetting yourself. In this episode, we're going to discuss ways in which you can break out of your comfort zone, then reset your life to expand your area of comfort. The goal is to help you to be able to create a life of learning and growth. But before we get started, Will, how was your New Year's? It was rather uneventful. We stayed home. You know, we don't really like to go out much, especially on New Year's with all the drunks and everything else. Mm-hmm. And we watched the the uh, Mothman prophecies with with my daughter because she's kind of into that sort of stuff. You know, went to bed kind of early. It was really calm. It was nice. It was good to honestly not have to really do a whole lot. And to be able to get up <laughs> at a reasonable hour yesterday morning. So we're talking about the whole comfort zone thing. I'm dealing with a significant discomfort right now. And I'm going to tell you how it started because it does tie into the whole New Year's Christmas thing. I made a whole bunch of wine before Christmas. Made like I put up 54 bottles, right? And I think I've got like 14 of them left. Two of them are earmarked for you. Two are earmarked for your mother. And there's a few other people. So like there's really not very many left that are not actually allocated to somebody already. And so I'm like, okay, I'll make some more, you know, to refill the stock because it just got, we had several different things where people came to the house and large numbers and the wine does not last when you do that. No. And that's fine. It's cheaper that way than buying wine. So I've, I've got some more in there and I went to the winemaking store and I got strawberry concentrate and I got passion fruit concentrate. And so I've made making booze out of those because I want to see what happens. I know if I do some of the weird ones, they don't go as fast. And so like I'm just putting a little bit of stock. Now, I can see the look on your face and I know the listeners can't. The problem with this is that both of them have a very vigorous fermentation right now. So they're just bloop, 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 bloop. I mean, just going like crazy, right? And I just dropped the yeast in last night. The problem comes in as far as the comfort zone. My office right now smells like somebody ate a fruit salad and burped. Um, it's really weird and disgusting and I'm not sure how to fix it. So that's what I'm dealing with right now. Otherwise, everything's great. Huh. And I guess I have one other problem in that you noticed my uh, mic is mounted incorrectly, although it doesn't seem to be falling off. So we're just going to fix it after. Yeah. Yeah. I just sent you a picture of how to, uh, yeah. to properly mount it. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't remember if I mentioned this last week or not, but my um, girlfriend's parents gave me a shock mount for my shotgun microphone. Right. So I just got that set up before recording. Well, I got it set up yesterday, but uh, for recording tonight. So I moved this over Christmas break. So I guess that's probably why. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. Or I say break. I didn't get one really, but there we go. So Amanda and I threw a 1920s themed New Year's Eve party after the worship service. This New Year's Eve. She had a bunch of decorations from a game night where we did a murder mystery set at a 20 speakeasy. 
It was a lot of fun. We invited people from church and some of my other friends to come over. I had about 10 or 15 people who uh, were either planning on coming or kind of like harder maybes. And then about an hour before I left to go to the worship service, about 10 of them canceled. Yeah, it's hard to get out there, man. Well, it's just, you know, it'd be one thing if it were, hey, you know, like the, the maybes didn't bother me. It was the people who said, yes, I'll be here. And then yeah. a few hours before the Because then you bought stuff. Amanda spent all afternoon cooking. Yeah. And I was like, well, she's like, do you want to cancel and go somewhere? Because some of our friends were playing, their band was playing in Cool Springs and we could get in for free there. And she was like, do you want to, because I told her about it and we'd already made, because I was, was going to invite them, but they were playing. And I was like, well, we've got a couple of people coming out. I mean, our friend JR was driving down from Nashville to come to it. And I haven't seen him in a while. And like the few times that we've been in town, he's had to work and just like, we haven't been able to work out of time to hang out. And I was like, you know, he and John were coming over. And I was like, you know, if it's just the four of us, it'll be fun. Yeah. So that's what we did. It was just the four of us. And when I invited people, I told them, you dress up if you want. You don't have to. And of course, you know, JR loves to dress up. Yep. And of course, Amanda and I dressed up as well. John comes over and he's the only one not dressed up. And he's like, well, if you got something, I'll wear it. And so <laughs> Here it comes. Amanda said, I got an extra dress. It's a little too big for me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so she went and got it. <laughs> And he put it on over his clothes. <laughs> and then we took photos. <laughs> well, you know, it's always good to have blackmail material. Blackmail material, man. I posted that on social media already. And <laughs> <laughs> now you ruin the value. Oh, uh, well. You, know. you go to all that trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we did have uh, plenty of alcohol for the party because we still have a lot of Mill Creek beer. I'm drinking some right now. So. Also, I learned to play the melody of Auld Lang Syne on my guitar last week. And so it being the week of New Year's Day, that made sense. And I played it. Like the plan was like I had a bunch of people from the church band and other bands I know that were going to come. I was like, I'm going to play it. Like it was supposed to be this like really pushing my comfort zone by playing music in front of real musicians. You know, not just my guitar instructor or friend, like our like, Amanda or my family and whatnot. And then it was just, yeah, I say just, but none of my musician friends showed up. So I didn't really get to push my comfort zone that much. I still played for John and uh, JR. Actually, be John and John there. Yeah, <laughs> technically. But uh, yeah, so uh, that was fun. It went pretty well. They were impressed. But uh, we had a lot of fun. End up staying up till. Two thirty, three o'clock, just sitting in my office talking, catching up mostly. So now that uh, that we're into the new year, let's talk about getting healthy. Chapter three of the Healthy Programmer: Get Fit, Feel Better, and Keep Coding is titled "A Farewell to Chairs." In this, the author, Joe Kuttner, starts off talking about Ernest Hemingway and how he preferred a standing desk. He then goes on to discuss both the pros and cons of standing desks. Uh, it may surprise some, but standing all day long is not healthy. Standing is shown to help increase concentration and alertness, 
However, standing for extended periods of time can be harmful. Though sitting all day long is not the solution because that has its own set of negative consequences. The first section, sitting is considered harmful. Kuttner points out two studies that show a correlation between sitting for extended periods of time and disease prevalence. He goes on to point out that just a few minutes of activity each hour can reduce these risks from sitting without creating the issues caused by standing all day. Unfortunately, we may not be able to get up and move around that often. So the next few pages include several exercises that can be done at a desk in a chair. In the next section, Kuttner talks about research from Dr. Alan Hedge on standing desks and lists out the negative health consequences of standing all day long. These include things like increased risk of developing carotid atherosclerosis or constriction of the carotid artery. It appears the key to use of a standing desk is to alternate between standing and sitting. The idea is to keep moving, only spending some time in each position. In the final section before the retrospective, Kuttner discusses ways to enhance your existing workstation or new ones that you can get. He lists two main rules when deciding on a workstation. Make it adjustable and allow for movement. And I'll have a link to this in the show notes. Who's talking to us this week? Well, we got an iTunes review from VAR equals glory saying uh, superior podcast. Just wanted to drop in and say how much I'm loving this podcast. I've listened for a couple of years now, and these guys are always on point with no-nonsense advice on how to win the day. If anyone, curmudgeon or noob alike, is looking for a reliable podcast filled with development tips from where the rubber meets the road, this is it. Will and BJ, thank you, and keep up the great work. May the neckbeard be with you, always. (laughs) I like it. While Will has gone to the dark side of the razor, I remain faithful to the neckbeard. <laughs> Thanks for the great review. Send us an email at waterbottle at completedeveloperpodcast.com with your contact information because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. And guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review on iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We're also on Instagram and Tumblr. You can join the conversation anytime by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Your advertisement could be here. Remember those signs? They're still out there. (laughs) Yeah, some of them are. Well, if you like the show and would like to advertise on here, send us an email to adverts at completedeveloperpodcast.com. We have short-term, long-term, and other sponsorship opportunities. Reach out to us and let us help you reach the people who you are serving. Your comfort zone is a place where your behaviors have found a routine or pattern to minimize anxiety and stress on you. It is your default area, your definition of hashtag basic. The concept of a comfort zone goes back to psychological research done by Robert M. Yerkes and John D. Dotson. They learned that a steady level of performance could be created from a state of relative comfort. However, in order to get the best performance, some level of anxiety was needed. They call this space optimal anxiety. It is the behavioral and emotional space just outside of the comfort zone. Too much anxiety and performance drastically decreases, yet not enough, and it still remains low. Optimal anxiety is precariously perched on peak performance 
with sharp drops on either side. I'm going to say that last sentence gave me a little bit of auditory anxiety. Precariously perched on peak performance. Ooh. I did that one on purpose. Glad you did. And <laughs> glad you read it. Before getting started, it's important to understand that a comfort zone is amoral, neither good nor bad. It is simply a natural state that people trend towards. When you break out of it, you increase your risk and anxiety. The idea is to push just outside of the comfort zone, then reset the norm so that your zone of comfort expands. Repeat this process enough, and you will develop a habit of growth in your life. We're going to discuss how you can step out of your comfort zone. First, we'll look at how we experience fear and anxiety. Then we'll talk about what to do to prepare yourself for pushing your comfort limits. Next, we'll discuss staying motivated. And finally, we'll go over ways to help make the changes last. So starting off, understand how you experience fear and anxiety. Yeah, the first step in expanding your comfort zone is knowing its bounds. Unfortunately, a lot of us don't know we're past our comfort zone until we're way beyond the line. Or we're in situations where we haven't learned the line and don't know where it is until it's crossed. It's these situations that make people hesitant to push their limits. By knowing how to recognize your experience of fear before it becomes overwhelming, you'll have an early warning sign of coming close to that line. Right. And if you know the bounds of your comfort zone, then you can actually push those limits and expand your area of comfort without unnecessary suffering. And this applies to more than just fear. Because I'm trying to come up with an example for this. I thought more along the lines, just personally, of my stress. And you and I both like to just continue to take things on. I'm worse about it than you because you're more introverted. So you naturally lean towards not going out as much. (laughs) Right. I mean, I'll take on stuff that keeps me at home and it'd be a lot, but not go out somewhere to do something. Yeah. And so... Along the same lines, understanding fear, understanding stress, and when it's starting, I've learned that, and I've had conversations when I've like been visiting family, and I said to my sister, hey, I'm peopled out, I just need to go and process. And she's like, but you're an extrovert. I'm like, yeah, but I know where my limits are, and if I keep pushing, yeah, I'm going to get burnt out, and I'm going to get frustrated, I just need to go and rest and process. Yeah. Now that I need to be away from people, it's just I need... People away from me. Yes. (laughs) 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 But uh, speaking of stress, anxiety is the body's natural response to stress. And physical manifestations of fear and anxiety vary a lot from person to person. Some people will break into a cold sweat and feel clammy. Other people may have increased heart rate, rapid breathing. Some people tend to like play with their fingers or, you know, pick at their skin or, you know, any kind of other nervous tics, like those things come out when you're nervous. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got different ones. And a lot of times they have different ones for different situations too. Yeah. You want to take some time to learn what fear and anxiety feel like for you. Recognizing the physical symptoms will help you to overcome your fears. Yeah. And you know, you know, that it's just your body's reaction that's creating that, you know, from the stimuli. You know, once you know what that is, it's a lot easier to deal with the reaction versus it just coming up and hitting you. No. Now, emotionally, anxiety and fear can be draining and lead to apprehension or dread. And you may feel tense and jumpy in uncomfortable situations. 
Yeah, and this kind of stuff makes people irritable, especially when they're already uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I know that when I'm at the point where anxiety is kicking in, like if I can't get out of there, I get angry pretty quick. Yeah. You know, having that hair trigger anger response is definitely something that happens to me when I start getting anxious. That's interesting because um, as vastly different as our personalities are, that is one area where we are very similar. Yeah. When we're getting very anxious about something, a lot of people tend to like clam up and shut down. We get you louder. Tend, yeah. <laughs> and then we get very quiet. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when you really don't want to be there. Fear and anxiety can also take a mental toll on you. Fear affects how people think in different ways. For some, it can be debilitating. They may anticipate the worst and even expect it. They could have trouble concentrating because they're constantly looking for signs of danger. And I'll tell you another one I see with people a lot of times is they'll actually, you know, light the pilot light on whatever can go wrong. Yeah, I've seen that a lot as well. They'll kick it off. and That's um, self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Because, um, you know, we've had several friends that were like that, that were really nervous, you know, in groups of people and would get in a crowd of people and then do something weird where the whole crowd's looking at them like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Or how many times have you seen it? Not as much lately because most of our friends are in more stable relationships. When we were younger, the guys that uh, they would do something or like they'd have an argument with their significant other and then they'd just be so just apologetic and like worrying about it and like worrying that they were going to leave them to the point where they drove the other person away. Yeah. We had several friends that did that over and over again. And the anxiety does that. And a lot of times it manifests in a way where you don't realize that it's anxiety. Yeah. Now, on the other side of that, for some, fear can be motivating. These are the people who experience fear and that makes them want to do it more. Yeah. Even to the level sometimes of being almost fear junkies, you know, or yeah. adrenaline junkies, you know, they kind of fall into this group, but you don't really have to be that extreme. When you're here, you want to dive into the things that scare you to learn why they're scary. And I think everybody's probably got a few areas that they're like this in and mm-hmm. uh, areas that they don't respond the same way. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it comes down to there being a perceived reason for the fear versus, oh, it's just, you know, a thing that I got to deal with. Yeah. Sometimes you just find something that you want to overcome and that's the other side of it. Yeah. So now that we've talked about understanding fear and anxiety, we're going to go into preparing yourself for overcoming. This is things to do before you actually do anything. First off, do research into what you want to do. Yeah, a lot of fear and anxiety just comes from not knowing either what could go wrong, what could go right, or what indicates something going one of those two ways. And before you get started, you'll need to know what areas you want to expand your comfort zone in. Mm -hmm. We recommend that you don't try to expand too many areas at one time. For example, in the world of addiction, the research shows that it's best to only quit one thing at a time. So when I was working at the psychiatric hospital on the addictions unit, we would tell people, if you're coming in to get off of alcohol, don't try to quit smoking at the same time. Right. It is kind of almost, you almost have that same medical type thing going on there as you would with the substance because I guess, you know, your body chemistry more than Mm -hmm. anything. The thing is, you're also not going to be able to tell 
what is screwing you up if you try to overcome two fears at the same time. Yeah. You can't tell which one you're fighting. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of like the habit formation stuff, which is actually some stuff I've been kind of thinking through this year and going, okay, I want to come up with 12 habits to do this next year, one at a time, do them for a month and get them locked in and then go to the next one versus trying to mm-hmm. handle five or six things at once because it doesn't work. And so you'll have that same sort of deal. Maybe we should do that for our resolutions episode one year, our 12 habits. Yeah, could be cool. Y'all tell us what you think. I know when I started going to the gym, developing that habit, uh, all I did was just show up. I didn't try to push myself physically. I just showed up and walked for 30 minutes every day to get into the habit of going. Yeah. And then after about a month of just showing up and doing that, one, I started seeing progress, even though I wasn't really pushing it. And then I was like, all right, now I can start pushing myself because I'm going to keep going. Yeah. And the other thing is, is it's not going to make you sore the next day as quickly either because it yeah. takes a little bit more. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes it's better just to kind of ease into it. Yeah. So you do need to spend some time learning about the area that you're you know, trying to expand on. And this could be anything from watching videos to reading articles on the topic to just you know talking to people that have done what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, joining a meetup group really helps a lot with this kind of stuff. Like, especially if you're doing something crazy, finding other crazy people really helps. Yeah. You know, a lot of our topics come from areas that we want to grow. Like, that's why we do this. It sort of forces us into that headspace. It really does. And once you're starting to get there, you need to rationalize your fear of the unknown. Now that you've identified the fear and anxiety you feel around the edge of your comfort zone, create a list of why you shouldn't expand it. This sounds counterintuitive, but follow me through this. List out why you should allow your fear to win. Now, you can write this down or just do it in your head. Once you have that, go through the list and cross out all the rationalizations that are more emotional than factual. What I mean by this is a factual rationalization is if I fall off a skateboard while learning, there's a chance of injury. That's factual. Emotional. I'll look silly learning to skateboard at my age. Right. You know? So cross out all the ones that fall into that emotional category. Well, and the thing is, is you'll look silly learning to skateboard. Yeah. That's the price you pay to be able to skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Which I can't, by but, the way. But you know, we didn't exactly have a whole lot of paved roads to practice on or <laughs> where I was. So for each factual rationalization that you have left, list out ways to overcome the fear. For example, your rationalization is if I fall off the skateboard while learning, there's a chance of injury. Way to overcome that, wearing safety equipment while on the skateboard. Yep. Which you can do at your advanced age because you're not going to look any sillier. <laughs> Fair enough. Right? Fair enough. Like you just tie that emotional right back in. It's like, yeah, you know, I've already paid the price. Yeah. But go through that. And then that leads right into the next one, which is look at the worst versus the best outcomes. Yeah, so create a list of the worst possible things that could happen. You know, I'm going to fall off the skateboard. There's going to be a natural gas leak. One of the metal brads on my jeans is going to strike a spark, and I'm going to burst into flames and run down the street, stripping my clothes off while I burn. That sounds pretty horrible. Probably not going to happen, but, you know, when you get wound <laughs> up over something. Wow, that, uh, that took a dark twist. But think about what the worst thing that could happen if you step out of your comfort zone. And think about how you would deal with those circumstances. And this will help you put your fears into perspective. 
Right. So you just don't skateboard anywhere where there's natural gas lines and you always have a buddy with a fire extinguisher. No problem. There you go. And then that'll look silly, right? And it puts that whole thing in perspective. Yeah. Then once you've done that, create a list of the best possible outcomes. You're the next Tony Hawk. Right. (laughs) Until you hit a natural gas line. (laughs) Well, you know what? You hit that natural gas line and it knocks your skateboard and you up into the air and you land on the power lines and you just, you totally Tony Hawk it. Right. I missed that video game. That was a fun video game, (laughs) y'all. No, like be realistic here, but create a list of the best possible outcomes. What you have to understand is that reality is going to be somewhere in the middle of these two. Yeah. Redefine how you understand comfort and being comfortable. So think about how you feel in your comfort zone. Like, is this situation safe and secure or is it boring and inflexible? Yeah. Don't let your comfort zone become your failure zone because nothing changes. You want to change how you see comfort to mean growth. And this is something that has happened to Will and I. Like We're talking about this not because we went out with the desire or the intent to become this way, but we had goals that we were working towards, and that led us to where our comfort is in growth. When we get stagnant is when we get uncomfortable. Yeah. You want to be uncomfortable with stagnation and inflexibility. Well, especially if you're a software developer, because otherwise, holy cow, you're not going to have a career at all. Mm-hmm. Now, you do have to evaluate where you are and where you want to be and what the diff is between those things. So go back and actually review your accomplishments. At some point in the past, you expanded your comfort zone. Assuming you're potty trained, <laughs> you have at least one, <laughs> right? Probably driving a car is number two. Yeah, I would for you learned to walk or talk, but, you know, we'll go straight for the potty humor. Well, uh, you know, I did that because I was going to say, well, learning to talk was number one and then potty training is number two. And I was like, oh, wait, no. Let's not do that. (laughs) Thanks for ruining it, man. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, you've got something in your past where you had to get past a comfort zone that you had defined for yourself, whatever that was. Mm -hmm. And so think about how you did it. Yeah. And the fact that you succeeded in the past is going to motivate your current efforts a lot. Like being able to get up and walk while biologically human beings generally do that. That's a pretty complicated process. There's a lot of things with balance. There's a lot of, you know, timing things. There's muscle issues. There's, you know, the fact that when you learned to walk, you had a big freaking head and it, you know, tilted your body, you know, in the least and you tipped over. You know, you overcame all that. So whatever the next thing is, is probably not going to be as nasty as that, unless you're skateboarding and catching yourself on fire. Remember that pushing yourself back then wasn't easy, but now look at what you've accomplished. And going back to something we mentioned a little earlier, learning to drive is a great example of this for many people. Like I remember learning to drive and it being so complicated, the pedals and the gears and just, you know, all this stuff. And then also it was so much that I used to have nightmares about learning to drive where I'd be driving the car down the road and then it would slowly transition to where I was pedaling like a bicycle within the car. And then it slowly transitioned to where I was like uh, Fred Flintstone. Wow. <laughs> like these were the nightmares I had when I was like 15. Wow. I, uh, yeah, I started with a tractor. So a tractor and then a tow motor. The tractors <laughs> aren't, aren't as difficult to drive. Right. Although you can do a lot of 
really stupid things on a tractor that can really hurt you too, um, especially when you're in a hilly environment. So I guess I was kind of somewhat past that by the time I was driving. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess I was over it. But uh, think about this, whatever it was, whether it be driving or something else, it was scary at first with lots of things to remember. But now you do it without even thinking about it. Right. Yeah, we both have plenty of stories on that where some cases we should have been thinking about it a little bit more carefully. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we'll just leave those out because I know my daughter listens to this and she's going to be driving in a few years. So let's not go there. (laughs) You want to watch out for the frenemy of familiarity. And I, I put that in vocal quotes. I think my tone changes when I do like air quote things, but uh, because I pulled that from one of the articles I read on this, when comfortable, you come to rely on the familiarity to maintain that comfort. However, unless well-checked, relying on familiarity doesn't allow for growth and expansion. That said, if you're going to push yourself, you have to find a compelling reason. It's not just, oh, I just want to be uncomfortable. Not a whole lot of people work that way. But what you have to do is go back and review your best possible outcomes for expanding your comfort zone and then use that as motivation. You know, visualize mm-hmm. yourself as being successful outside of that initial comfort zone that you're currently And let that visualization motivate you to make the changes necessary to expand and grow. So now that we've talked about all of this, we're kind of hitting the crux of the episode, and that is to create a plan to expand and push your comfort zone. Yeah, and this kind of starts out with almost a mission statement of what you want to accomplish, even if you don't write it down, although it probably wouldn't hurt to actually do that, so you can refer to it later. Mm -hmm. Come up with reasons to grow in the area that you're trying to grow. So like if you're trying to get into public speaking, go, okay, what do I plan to get out of this? You know, it's not, I just want to be a good public speaker because reasons or because mom and dad always told me to, but like, what is the actual deliverable value to me of doing this? Once you have this stuff figured out, write it down as a simple statement that you can remember and keep this statement with you all the time. Now you might, you might keep it in a notebook or you might just have something that sends you a reminder every day. So what Will said at the beginning of this point of not writing it down Probably should. Yeah. You know, I would say you probably should just because it seems to lock that in to the unconscious in a better way. Like you have more spontaneous, correct action with that. And I'm not sure why that is. We've mentioned it a few times just about how writing things down helps to internalize them. Yeah. But this will become a phrase that you can repeat to yourself when you're feeling discouraged. This is something that we'll talk about a little later too, but, uh, You can like write down on your mirror in your bathroom, say to yourself in the mornings when you get up. Several of my friends do this where they have specific things they say to themselves every morning when they get up. Yeah. Or I've done that thing with like using the sticky note, like on Windows, like when you log in, it's on. Mm -hmm. And that's the first thing you see when you get on your machine in the morning. That works too. Or having a little app that pops it up as a tool tip out of the clock area, you know, at random times during the day. So now that you have your mission statement, you want to create a step-by-step blueprint for yourself. Break your larger goals down into smaller steps. Yeah, and create benchmarks to measure your progress. You know, these will be kind of like mini goals. 
and each of them should move you a step closer to your goal of expanding your comfort zone. Now, I will tell you one thing I have noticed doing this is sometimes the initial way that you look at the goals doesn't match what ends up happening. Mm -hmm. So you got to be able to kind of do the whole drunkard's walk through your goal to get it. And there may be some lateral moves that make things better. Mm -hmm. So be open to that, but definitely have a plan. These should be small, simple steps that themselves don't seem like much effort. Yeah. Like going from one to the next. Speaking of that, the next thing is to make a plan to move from each step or benchmark to the next one until you've reached beyond your comfort zone. So you take these small, simple steps, baby steps from where you are to where you want to be. And this is going to kind of slowly desensitize you to the anxiety that jumping right into it might cause. Yeah, which brings up the other thing. There's another concept. This is not the way I used to do things, and it's not the way you used to do things, but I think it's kind of the way we roll now. And this is the concept that's used in immersion therapy. So we're at the midpoint in the episode outline right now. And the whole time we've been talking about sort of slowly pushing out, now what we want to do is look at the other thing. The thing that I was thinking about the whole time when writing this, which is to jump headfirst into that fear-inducing anxiety or activity. Yeah, so like if you're scared of public speaking, this might put you at, you know, scheduling a talk in front of, you know, a couple hundred people, a thousand people, you know, something really scary, especially if you have no experience. The idea is complete immersion and facing your strongest fears head on. Now, this is a high-risk path. It can lead to faster, bigger rewards. Like you're going to get over that really quickly, but their failures are magnificent. Yeah, this path is basically shine or burn. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing in between. Like you will either gloriously succeed or you will face plant. Yeah. And I think the reason we like this better is that it's very clarifying very quickly and it forces you to do the work. We don't recommend doing this if you're not already familiar with pushing yourself. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of built a habit of pushing our limits. And I think the other thing too is we're not going to pick something that is just so far out of reach that there's no, you know, that it's a definite face plant. It's more like, hey, this is going to be hard, but if I do it, you know, I'll succeed. Not, this is going to be well nigh impossible and I'm most likely going to fail. And we're better at guessing that most of the time. Unless we are doing it specifically to fail, to learn from the failure. Yeah, which we'll get to that here in a minute. (laughs) Yeah. The slower path is better the first few times you're intentionally pushing your limits. That's the way we did it. We did it the slow way the first few times. And then we hit something or we're put into a situation where we're like, all right, you got to expand or collapse. One of the two. Yeah. So the next point is to start with small steps away from your comfort area. We kind of already discussed this a little bit, but we're going to go into more detail now. First off, don't wait to get started. Yeah, if you're nervous, start where you are right now and start moving. Yeah, You know, that's all it takes. Now, if you're not nervous, fine, plan it out, do whatever your approach is. Mm -hmm. But if you're feeling fear, go ahead and jump into it because fear is cumulative. It will build up on you. Yeah, So you might as well just go ahead and hit it. Similar to analysis paralysis, waiting on a time or date can prevent you from ever getting started. You know, I used to wait till like the beginning of the week or the month to start or restart going to the gym. Yeah. 
So, you know, if I were like, all right, I'm going to start going to the gym and it's Wednesday on Monday, I'm going to start going to the gym. Let's start on Monday and I might go for two weeks and then I'd miss a Tuesday. Yeah. And so the next day on Wednesday, I'd be like, ah, oh, well, I missed yesterday. Well, I'll start back next Monday. Yeah. You kind of have to have the mindset that every day is day one. Yeah. And day one is right now. Mm-hmm. If you get around that, that makes it a lot easier. Another way to, or one way to get started is to do regular things just a little bit differently. And so just start kind of slipping outside the edge of your comfort zone. You know, I will change up the way I do my normal daily tasks. So I don't, you know, in the outline here, it says, you know, if you order the same thing at Starbucks, try getting something new. I don't necessarily do that, but I'll take a different route home or I'll Mm -hmm. purposefully get lost and then get unlost, you know, driving around. You might, you know, expand your analogy with Starbucks, you know, try going to a different coffee shop, maybe one that's local that doesn't give you the burned beans. (laughs) Sorry, like once I learned, like I used to like their coffee and then you have bled over onto me just enough where I'm a slight coffee snob and now I could taste the burned coffee in Starbucks and I couldn't before. You think I'm a coffee snob? Comparatively, yes. Yeah. Talk to Amanda. Yeah. She is a coffee snob. She's like made my coffee drinking better, <laughs> but she also works at a coffee shop. Yeah, see, I don't so. want to talk to her about that because I'm bad enough. <laughs> you know, I, I grind the beans now. That's about as far as I'm going. <laughs> I use the, you know, Folgers. Yeah. The idea here is to still do the things that you would do, but in a slightly different way. In other words, throw some uncertainty in there and get used to it. Yeah. Next, take time making decisions. Slow down and observe what is going on before making a decision. When speed and quick thinking are important, a lot of times like in development, we've got, I got to get this done. I got to get it done now, or I've got to get this bug fixed. We don't take the time. Like we've, we've had episodes recently with like Uncle Bob talking about slowing down and taking the time to do it right. When speed and quick thinking are important, slowing down can be uncomfortable. And this can make a good first step toward expanding your comfort zone. Something that I've been working on is saying, give me a minute to think about it. Yeah. Rather than just trying to come up with a snap decision or a snap response, hang on, just give me a second to think about it. Yeah. And you and I both struggle with this one at varying situations, I think. Well, with this, it not only makes me uncomfortable saying that because I'm used to just giving a quick thing, but it makes other people uncomfortable who are used to me giving that. Yeah, because you're not behaving in a predictable manner. Right. The big thing here is taking the time to think things through rather than reacting mm-hmm. will make your reactions better. Notice we said reacting, not acting. Yeah. So you still start and you get moving, but when something comes up, think about it before you react. That way you don't make it worse and create the kind of sensory inputs that make you more afraid rather than less. Mm-hmm. Now, also, you need to trust yourself when making quick decisions. On the other side of this, some people are more comfortable weighing all the options, taking their time, as can lead to analysis paralysis. And as you're spending so much time analyzing a situation that you never get anything done. My mom is really bad about this. And she has terrible buyer's remorse. And it's hilarious because the last time I went with her car shopping, the first place we went to, She found a vehicle SUV that she loved, absolutely loved it, but she didn't want to buy it because it was the first place we went to. Yep. And we went to six other places that day. And then the next day we went back and bought the first one we saw. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, this is a tricky one because of 
you know, like that fear of missing out. There's a place for quick decisions. There's also a place where like you don't have all the information anyway, or you don't even have enough to make a decision. And then basically Mm -hmm. any direction works better than sitting still. Start by making a few simple, quick decisions. And this kind of will help you kickstart your progress toward the edge of your comfort. Next, you need to encourage yourself along the way. Right. See any challenge that arises as a growth opportunity. And this is, this is really key here. It can be difficult, especially when you're just trying to get through it. Yeah, it's easier to recognize growth opportunities after they pass. And I have this kind of in my head right now, a, a situation that really bugged me about eight or 10 months ago where I had a coworker who was constantly interrupting me and all that. And now I look back and I'm like, you know, that was an opportunity to somewhat train myself to be better able to triage that and handle it and get those people out of my office Mm -hmm. where I could do my work and probably would have been a good training opportunity had I looked at it that way. And I think you're going to kind of come across a lot of that. It's really easy to not see it in the moment and to let an opportunity pass without utilizing it. Had I improved that skill, it would be valuable, right? Yeah. What you want to do is use hindsight of past growth opportunities to help yourself see ways to grow when you're in challenging times. So when you reach those things and you've got these challenging times going on, these coworkers that just won't leave you alone and stop interrupting you, you know, look back and be like, all right, this is really difficult. Just don't think of it as, you may not be thinking of it as a growth opportunity, but like when you're going, man, I'm in a really difficult time. What can I do to improve this? And start looking back, you'll start seeing the opportunities you've missed and go, oh, this is an opportunity. Yeah, you got to look at it the way a hacker looks at a security protocol, not the way a script kitty looks at a security protocol. Yeah. You know, you go, okay, that's here. I'm going to break it. (laughs) So next, use positive self-talk to help get through the roughest parts. This will help you as you start to move to the edges of your comfort zone. You can say things to yourself such as, I know you're scared, but you can do this. I mean, if you need, find a quiet place alone and say them out loud. This goes back to what we were talking about, about my friends that put stuff on the mirrors or what you're saying about putting your mission statement on a little app that pops up. But uh, this is another place you can do that. Leave yourself sticky notes with encouraging phrases around this is something that amanda and i do to each other i'm not up for like leaving notes to myself or like the positive affirmations thing is probably not something i engage in very much you should try it see how it works i just kind of have my inner drill sergeant (laughs) (laughs) it works a little bit better a few choice words now another thing you can do is uh bring a friend along who will encourage you when you're doing something that pushes your comfort zone i know like the first time you spoke at a tech conference, I was right there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the there's really two levels to this. One is getting somebody that is further along than you who can encourage you and teach you things and all that. Another strategy I've seen a lot of people use pretty well is to get somebody that's behind you. Mm-hmm. And you're so busy somewhat carrying them that you forget that you're scared. Yeah. Yeah, that works like a champ. The goal here is to expand your comfort zone. So unless you're working on doing things solo, bringing a friend along for support kind of makes sense. Um, It also helps if they're familiar with the thing you're doing or they're kind of in the same boat mentally trying to push themselves. There's been a lot of times where I've been that friend where someone was like, oh, hey, 
I really want to go base jumping. Yeah. But I don't want to do it alone. And I'm like, I'll go. Yeah. I've never been base jumping, y'all. Don't get the wrong impression. But if somebody wants to go, call him. (laughs) Don't call me, but call him. (laughs) But it's that kind of thing. You can also practice relaxation techniques to help you remain calm. Deep breathing helps to relieve stress in the moment. Focusing on your breathing will calm you down. As you breathe in, visualize yourself breathing in confidence and expelling the fear and anxiety. Yeah, and visualization actually helps quite a bit as far as expanding your comfort zone. So if you close your eyes and you walk yourself through the scene in your mind, either the scene of actually dealing with that particular situation or the scene of the aftermath, Mm -hmm. you know, when you won, basically, that just really helps kind of kill the fear. Yeah. And try to be at the point where you think about the the sensations that you'd have, the, you know, the smell, the taste, the touch, you know, the sight, like actually really get in there uh, emotionally and do that. And then open your eyes and make it happen. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how much better that works because you've already drilled it once, even though it's kind of virtual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, they did uh, some research on uh, basketball players. Yeah. And they had one group actually practice for a week and one group sit and think about practicing and the group that visualized the practice did better. Yeah. What they actually found, because they did further research on this, is that combining the two gave the best results. And so far as relaxation techniques, check out our episode on getting better sleep where we have an entire section on just relaxation techniques. With all this, the reason you got to relax is because there are going to be setbacks. And you just don't let them stop you. You're going to have times where you don't succeed or where you're not able to push yourself at the level you think you should. But the idea here is to use these times as learning experiences and go, hey, look, I know this is going to happen. I'm going to hit the wall and I'm going to try, you know, to hit it at enough speed where I learn. Mm -hmm. The thing with this is fear of failure is one of the worst fears. Sometimes you just have to let yourself fail just so you know it's not as devastating as you think. Just like starting, don't let a day or two of setbacks stop you from making progress. For example, if your goal is to increase your socialization, don't let missing a day of talking to someone new reset your progress. Yeah, don't let you know talking to somebody who it just doesn't go well reset your progress either, right? Yeah. There's some value in there too of just going, hey, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to try to fail this many times. Yeah. That's funny. That's what we were taught in sales training. Yeah. Is you go out with, not with the goal of getting so many sales, but with the goal of getting so many rejections. Yeah. Well, the other thing that that does too, is if you're just kind of tired and you want to get out of it, it makes you more willing to try new things. So it it changes the explore exploit balance. And so you'll, you'll actually explore more and you may find something that works better than what you were doing. Yeah. Become the change that you want to see in yourself. You have to physically embody the change. Yeah, the way you think affects your body and your emotions. In the same vein, your behavior and what you do affects how you think. You know, you're the result of your habits. So if you sit around and you watch TV at home, it's going to make it harder to do other things when you're not at home. Whereas if you're active at home or if you're always, you know, got your mind going at the very least, it's going to normalize that behavior pattern when you're not at home. You know, think about your downtime as almost a practice for the real thing. What we mean by this is be the change you want by behaving in the manner that you would if you already had the expanded comfort zone. 
Yeah. People like to use the phrase, you know, fake it till you make it. But the real deal is, is once you've made it, it wasn't fake. Well, you have to use that phrase to your advantage. Yeah. There's been several memes about this phrase lately. Most of them misapply it or misunderstand its intent. It's just more like fake it till everybody believes it, not fake it till it becomes true. The idea is to act confidently even when you don't feel confident. This is kind of a counter to imposter syndrome. It's the ability to act as if you are already comfortable in a situation, even though you're not. And by doing that, you'll begin to gain that confidence. Over time, you'll make it by being comfortable in once uncomfortable situations. Yeah, and I totally did this when we started podcasting. Yeah, you did. Go back and listen to the early episodes. You'll see it. <laughs> you'll hear it, I guess, technically. But yeah. there you go. And lastly, end of this point, build a habit around trying new things. This goes back to familiarity being your enemy. You naturally want to stay with what you already know. It's proven to be safe. You have to train yourself to see new experiences as safe and fun. I mean, with this, you just try something small and making it a routine to fairly regularly try something new. Like that's really all it takes. This is not some big, oh, I'm gonna, you know, change my life in the next two months. It's like, no, I'm gonna change my life a little bit at a time until the whole thing shifts. You're not a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. You're Godzilla growing up from a little lizard. You got time. No. And finally, continue to push yourself and expand your comfort zone. Make small changes that you normally wouldn't do to encourage long-term change. Now that trying new things is becoming a routine, make changes to your daily routines. Basically, push the comfort created by the routine. This works when things are going well and smooth in life. When other areas of your life are chaotic, be a little cautious of changing too much in your routine. There's an optimal level of chaos that creates growth, and then there's chaos that breaks down growth. So if you already have some, don't add to it. Unless you've just completely hit bottom with everything and then it's a (laughs) free-for-all. These changes fit into your routine, but are slightly different. It could be as simple as listening to a new genre of music on your drive to work or trying out a new podcast. Recently, I listened to uh, some Billie Eilish because she popped up on a thing that I was reading about Lindsey Sterling. Not a big fan, but uh, I did like the one song she did with uh, Khalid. That was pretty good. The goal here is to maintain small changes that expand or help you grow. Yeah, and you should aim to learn something new each day. And this involves changing the way that you view day-to-day life. So this might involve something like, you know, starting off each morning or night, you know, depending on your schedule, looking for chances to learn something new, like actively pursuing something. Uh, This could be as advanced as taking a class or reading a new book on a subject that you're unfamiliar with. And it could also be just as simple as reading a new blog, talking to a new person. You know, it can be really small stuff. Pick activities that challenge you. Don't always do the same things when deciding how to spend your time. There's something to doing a regular, relaxing thing, like watching TV or gaming. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Will and I both watch TV. We talk about the shows we watch. Honestly, I just finished watching The Witcher. Big fan of the game. Like the books, TV show is pretty good too. It's a little bit different. I kind of like those differences. But do things like that with intention. Yeah, it's I'm going to watch something on TV that's different, not I'm going to watch TV and just hope something different comes on. Or if you're going to use that as a relaxing, like, you know, 
I got Disney Plus because it's free with Verizon, and they've got all 30 seasons of The Simpsons. <laughs> oh, wow. So I am watching through The Simpsons, you know, maybe an episode or two a week. You know, a little here or there. Sometimes I watch more, sometimes I don't. But that is my, hey, this is familiar. This is, you know, I'm just going like, I'm stressed. I just need a, a mental break. Or I've cooked myself some food. I just want to let my brain relax on my lunch time. So I've got, you know, 20-minute episode of The Simpsons I'll go watch. Something like that. The thing with this is you want to make trying new things to be something that is relaxing or something that you look forward to doing. Look for activities in areas you're not familiar to expand yourself. So you'll find things that you never knew you could do and others that you might not enjoy. Yeah, you'll do things that you find that you're not going to enjoy doing. You know, I've had a few of those type of experiences, even doing the podcast. There's just certain stuff that I'm, I tried it out and it's like, God, I don't really love that. You know, like yeah. live video, not my jam. I'm the kind of person that needs an editor. Yeah, I know. I can't get him to do live for anything. Yeah, there's a reason for that. But some of the rest of it, I didn't think I would like, and it's been a blast. Yeah. And you don't really know until you're in there, you know, trying it. The point is not to continue doing the things that are unpleasant or that you don't like, but to learn and grow in the areas that you do enjoy. And part of that often is seeing the areas that you don't enjoy. Mm -hmm. For example, I always thought I would not like doing oil pastels because they're just like crayons and stuff. And you got to like blend them with your fingers and stuff. And I was just like, I'll not like this. I tried it a few weeks ago at Creative Night. I really liked it and I was pretty good at it, I thought. I mean, not like some of the professional artists that I know, but for an amateur, they'd never done it before. They're pretty good. There have been other things. There are video games. I like playing games. There have been video games I have tried, and I'm like, I do not like this. Yeah. Dr. Mario is one. Really? Yeah. I love that game. You and Amanda can play because she kicks my butt at it every time. (laughs) (laughs) I used to like purposefully rent that one. So guys, the more you stretch yourself, the easier it is to stretch. As you continue to push yourself and grow and expand your comfort zone, the easier it will become for that zone to expand. The tighter and more rigidly you hold to your area of comfort, the harder it will be when it is forced to expand. Use this information to not only help yourself to grow and expand your comfort zone, but to build a flexible life where you are constantly learning and growing. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, this is something that us tech types, especially those of us that grew up kind of being nerdy, you know, that weren't overly praised for athletic prowess or anything like that. You know, you're praised in school for knowing the right answers. We have a hard time with this. And that is be willing to quickly put an idea out there and determine whether it's right or wrong by testing it. It's very, very easy to kind of do the same thing with your comfort zone around being wrong that you do with your comfort zone on everything else. And if you are, if you're freezing up at the thought that, okay, if I throw this idea out there and people laugh at it and go, oh, no, you don't know how this works. If you're looking at that as a downside versus, hey, here's an opportunity for growth, you're never going to actually grow especially in tech where everything's changing. Nobody has to know everything. Nobody does. Even on simple things, you know, like there's people I've worked with who've known a particular framework. They've known it really, really well inside and out. They still find new things every day. They are still wrong every day. The reason they grew is because they were willing to accept that 
and learn from it and lean into it to go, okay, let me get this idea out here. Let me see if I can slam into the wall and find out where I'm wrong, where I'm weak, and then go fix that. Use it as diagnostic criteria, not as damnation criteria, as it were, if that makes sense. So like, it's not a blame thing. It's a, I'm going to find my weak spots and work on those. So that's all I got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.